Welcome this morning to Community Church. I am so delighted to be here. You know, we as the church, we spend a lot of time tweaking the things that we know to do. You know, the, the music is important. The dance is important. What we do, how we respond, lifting our hands, clapping is important. But you know what's most important? Actual desire. Actual desire in the moment, pining, longing, desiring, wanting more of Him is the single most important ingredient in worship. And the response of heaven is not measured by how well we sing the songs. It doesn't matter that the style is contemporary. The most important component is not what we do right in the natural but that our hearts long for him, hunger and thirst, as the deer pants for the water. Lord, we long for you. Lord, our nation needs you. So I want to invite you today to desire him, to long for a breath of his life. He is waiting to breathe upon nations. He is waiting to breathe upon regions of the world. I want him to do that here. Because when he does, it will distinguish between the nations that worship God, the nations whose God is the Lord, and those that are not. Father, distinguish yourself in our midst, Lord. Glorify your name. Do what we don't know how to do. Oh, God. Father, we say, we long to see the fullness of your kingdom. There's there's so many things happening in the room right now. So many critical things. Do you know this is the place where the government of God makes its decisions? The faith of the people of God is what empowers the government of God on the earth. I'm so burdened for the province of Alberta. I'm so burdened for the nation of Canada. But not because of what the enemy is doing. But because of what is possible if the saints would align. I'm not burdened about fearing what the enemy can do. I'm waiting to see what the church will do. The way this goes is not dictated by what the world does. The way this goes is dictated by what the church does not do. Our destiny never rises or falls on secular leaders. Our destiny never rises or falls on people who don't have faith. When God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, did he destroy it because there was sin or did he not just or did he destroy it because there was not 10 righteous 10 righteous would have turned everything for everyone God is looking at Alberta right now and he's saying listen there's a sustaining power that can come from heaven if my people if my people if my people If my people, we have the authority to turn the course of this region. We have the authority to shift the destiny of our nation. God is looking for worship. Because worship becomes the fountainhead of the life of God in a nation. Father, we want to say to you, Lord, we we repent, God, for deciding how much we're going to worship.
based on our feelings, how much we're going to worship based on the style that we're comfortable with. Lord, we want to say today that we will, we will allow you to set the pace of what worship is in our life. We will allow you to set the pace of what faith and faithfulness looks like. We will allow you to set the pace of what it means to be committed. Can you say amen? We are coming into something no less significant than Israel's ascent into the promised land. This is our promise, a nation full of the glory of the Lord. An earth filled with the glory of the Lord. This is the ultimate aim. But it's not happening independent of your acts, of your faith, of your mouth, of your sound. God is training your hands for war right now. Training you to speak. Training you to sing. Come on, say this with all your heart. With all your heart. It's before the Lord. It's to the King of Kings. God is raising up an army. You know, when things, when things come to light, when criminal, despotic, evil, wicked behavior that's gone on for 20 years suddenly, suddenly comes to light and everybody says, how is it nobody said anything? How is it nobody spilled the beans? Because there was a demonic power that was able to muffle every voice that would have spoken. And when those that did speak, structures impeded them and quieted them. I'm telling you, we are here to see all of those structures come down. We are here to see righteousness reign. We are here to see things come to light that have been hidden in this nation. So, Father, we say... Only you, God, only you can bring the light necessary, Father. Shine on us. Shine on us, Lord. It's coming, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. I want to declare to you that that, that web of deceit that has caused this, uh, this unity amongst those in the media, in political circles, in high finance, that Solidarity is going to crumble. That solidarity is going to crumble. They're going to fear like never before. It's going to be shaken. It's going to be shattered. It's going to fall to the ground. And we declare that those responsible for unrighteousness will will be found out. Make no mistake, this is a spiritual battle. Of the greatest proportions. Can you say amen? Now I know when we come on Sunday mornings. We all have our, our needs. I mean they're, they're probably the needs that are in here. Represented are hundreds. The beautiful thing about the kingdom of God. So when you focus on his need, when you focus on what's number one to him, it's a, there's a trickle-down effect. And it's the product of faith because it takes faith to pull away from what's biting at your heels and to do what matters to him when it seems so distant from your problems. But the trickle-down, if you seek first the kingdom of God, he said, all these things, all these things will be added to you. So, Father, in Jesus' name, we are going to be a church, we declare, that set our hearts on your desire. Lord, we will seek your righteousness. We will seek to establish your kingdom. And, God, all the issues of our life 
will mysteriously begin to vanish. The weight of them will diminish. The torment of them will blow away with the wind of hope. Let that be the case right now in Jesus' name. Let hopelessness blow away. Let the heaviness of witchcraft, let it, let it disband right now. Let it disband right now. Let it disband right now. Lord, that would seem so tangible because of fear. Let it be seen for what it is. Let it, like a mist, vanish. Hallelujah. I know we've taken a lot of time. Thank you for pressing in. You know, a lot of Sundays, we can make it about equipping. We can make it about the furtherance of our journey. But sometimes there are assignments that God has for us to touch things we don't even know about. You know, it, it goes again as bears repeating because sometimes we think of ourselves as victims. We think of ourselves as maybe not having permission. And the truth is, the truth is, based on your maturity, based on what, what authority God has given you, uh, you, you, you can't act independently. And, you know, it's kind of like when you're a kid. You can't go in and just cook whatever you want. You have to ask for permission. But as you get older, you get permission to just go in the fridge. You know, as you grow as a son spiritually, there are certain things that God gives you authority over. And, uh, and he's looking for full, fully mature sons. Because he said, Jesus, this is what the Father said to Jesus, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Well, how is he going to do that? Through all the other brothers and sisters, through the family. He is, Jesus is not doing this anymore. He's doing it, yes, but through you. And never without you. Realize that. Every advance of the kingdom of God happens through you and not without you. And so when God moves, it's because his people have aligned themselves and stepped into that fray. Does that make sense? We need to understand it's on us. Hallelujah. All right, we got a special guest speaker today. Jim Denotter. Jim, come on. Let's reach out your hands towards Jim. Father, we bless Jim tonight. Thank you, Lord, for the wisdom. Thank you, God, for the, the grace on his life, Lord. We draw on the, the aroma, Lord, of that incense that is in him, that perfume, God, that you've worked into his being, Lord. We put a draw on that today in Jesus' name. Amen. So, wow. Wow, wow. I feel like we've had a banquet already. So maybe I can just be dessert. <laughs> Small, sweet, you know. Something of that nature, I think. Goodness. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hmm. Couple things just from the worship time. I I, I, I couldn't help but, you know, just really come into this everything is possible when I'm with you. When? When? Well, when's that? All the time. Everything is possible all the time. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Wow. You know, the other thing was, and, and Mark just kind of summarized it here quickly, but I think uh, it, it, it bears just one more poke, and that is this. So you say, well, we're, we're going to call down these things, and, and these are big things, these principalities and powers, these authorities, these societies, these people who have grouped together in agreement with something evil. Yikes, what are we going to do? How are we? Wait, settle down. You know, a page, like a person who's a, you know, a, a carrier of messages and whatever, a page in the kingdom who stands forth and says, the king says carries the full authority of the king. You have a, a, you know, a nine-year-old kid going, the king says, and if the king says, that's the full authority that the king has invested in that. We only need to be pages in the kingdom, but we get to be sons. 
And I'm telling you, when the son says, dad says, that's the next level again. Okay. I feel like there's something on this, so I'm going to go here anyway. <laughs> um, Gaylene said to me that I have to stand up here. Normally, I like to wander around down there, but she said, I sat at the back, and I can't see you when you're down there. Ouch, that's my wife. Ow. Okay, Paul could preach from here. When we're setting up the lights here this week, I just need him to stand down there when we're getting it ready for Mark or me or, you know... (laughs) Anyway, do you know what? Paul Captain we're talking about, not, not the Apostle Paul. Well, he could be the Apostle Paul, too. Or that one, yeah. <laughs> that one could come and stand with me. Okay. What is it, Pastor Precious or something? Yeah. Ooh. Hey, that is a term of absolute endearment, and he loves it. So there, I just told him so. Okay. When... We look, hey, so here's the ouch. But I'm telling you right away, there's going to be spirit in this, okay? But I am in information technology. We're information scientists, so I'm going to give you a little bit of a primer on, on data and information here for a second. There's a five-step process that goes on with what we would think of as information or knowledge. The first thing that you get is data. Data. Three, seven, yellow, Tuesday. Great. It's meaningless because it's not organized in any way. It's just data. Then when we start to organize it, it actually becomes information. And there's a ton of information out there in the world today that's been all organized, and most of it you don't know. So it doesn't really affect you. So the next step, after you get data and information, is you get knowledge. Oh, now we're getting somewhere. Now we've got some knowledge. That's great. Knowledge, however, all by itself, is still not enough We actually have to understand it, okay? So just knowing something doesn't mean that we understand it. It just means you know it. Okay, fair enough. So we get data, which becomes information, which when we know it becomes knowledge, but then we can understand it. Now, once we understand it, now I think we're all starting to get, okay, now I I know what that means, But when we really want to know how to use it, it has to become wisdom. So the fifth stage is wisdom. Now, that works great with information. But let me move this to something from the spirit because this is is new to me here, this this little three-stage thing. So the other day... um, we're, uh, Gaylene was on a call or Curtis was on a call, one of them, whatever, and, and David Damien had came, come on that call and he was talking uh, to, this, to this smaller group and he was saying that some of these leaders that he had just done this prior call with, he said, you, you understand what's coming out in their lives today is, is a whole thing way past knowledge, way past wisdom. And, and he put it this way, he said, First, we get knowledge, and that, that's good. You know, something comes in, and, and you, know, you, you, you know it. You even understand it, and that can be a good thing. That, in fact, it generally is. You've got to get there. But he said the next step in the spirit is revelation. And revelation is when something that you either knew or didn't know yet suddenly becomes so real to you Oh my goodness, it's this whole nother deal. It's like, oh, I can't, I can't not see that now. Like, this has now been revealed. This is now a, a fundamental truth that's going to change my life. It's going to change how I live, how I respond, how I act. But he said there's a further step beyond revelation. And that is when that revelation has been allowed 
to work within you at a level that it crushes anything outside of that. And do you know what happens when you crush a rose petal? Fragrance. Yeah, the third level is fragrance. Okay? So that's the thing that just comes out of your life. You can't help it now. That's the fragrance that's being produced in your life. And that is that thing where, where revelation has been allowed to, to fully change you. You've marinated in it to the level where now you're getting that, that fragrance out. So, <clears throat> Pastor Chris asked me if I would like to come and speak. He said, we haven't heard from you for a while. And I said to Gaylene, well, what, 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 what should I share on? Because again, you know what? Sharing information, oh, brother. So, she said to me, she, she, she told me this story because I wasn't on the call, so she told me about this thing. And she said, so why don't you speak out of something that's a fragrance in your life? What's a fragrance in your life? And I said, shouldn't I be asking you? And so we actually look at three different things that I think that God has, has given me such a revelation on that I can't, I can't in any way walk away from them and hopefully they come out in the fragrance of my life. And for those of you who know me, the first one's going to be no surprise at all. And it is the utter bedrock certainty that God is good. Right? I mean, how many times have I stood up here in the last couple of years and said to you guys, God is good. God is good. And whenever I see something that would call that into question, I immediately just know that I'm misunderstanding something. Because God is good. And it is so clear, it is so obvious to me, that I can't unsee it. I can't, I can't actually even see anything anymore that would ever call that into question. It immediately calls into question what I'm seeing. It tells me immediately my perception is off. If there's a, like, I don't even question, wait, what? No, it becomes, hmm, I'm, I'm obviously seeing that weird, right? It's, it's that level of thing. And because we've talked about it a number of times, I'm actually not going to talk about it today. Um, what, I, what I do want to talk about is, is two different things. One of them happened, started in my life, uh, probably about 25 years ago right here in this church when a gentleman had come to speak to us, a guy named Ray Hughes, about 25 years ago, Ray was here at a conference and he told us a joke. And the punchline of that joke changed my life and it changed this church. It's the truth. So here it is. I'll tell you the joke. Okay? Here's the joke. So, did you hear the one about the Catholic priest with the stutter? And then he said, Now look, if I've offended any of you, come and see me afterwards, and I'll forgive you. There was a polite little titter. And then people started to think about it. And the more they thought about it, I think the more we all realized, uh-oh, he's got a point there. If I've offended you, come and see me afterwards, and I'll forgive you. What does that mean? I mean, that's the punchline of a joke. I mean, the, the, the setup for the joke was lame. But the punchline was actually, if I've offended you, come and see me later and I'll forgive you. And I thought, well, that's kind of cheeky. That's a little, you know, was I feeling offended a little maybe? And began to realize that he had a hold of something that was critically important, and it wasn't something that he wanted to spend the time that I'm doing right now actually teaching. It was something he just wanted to plant. It was a seed that needed to be watered, and there was a potential for revelation in it. And the revelation is this. You can be wounded 
in humility. Did you know that? If you sit on attack, it hurts. You can actually receive a wound in humility. That's, that's absolutely true. But offense is a function of our pride. Period. No two ways about it. There is no such thing as offense that isn't your pride rising up. That's what it is. It's our own pride rising up. How dare... What? Don't they know that I... But I don't like... It would be more comfortable for me if... But that was really embarrassing... Wow. Wow. Every one of those is actually our own pride rising up. And here's the thing about offense is it creates bitterness really quickly because it shuts God out. Now, we have a God who pursues relentlessly, so so this is, you know, this all comes out okay in the end, but let me tell you something. It says that God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And when we marinate in offense, we're actually creating that thing. We're, we're feeding that thing that doesn't work. Wow. I, uh, I did a quick little word study on offense in the Bible. And in one little Google... I found 100 verses about offense. Just like that. There's lots more. In fact, some of my favorite ones didn't even show up. I'm not going to read them all to you. <laughs> yeah, that, that would be data, right? <laughs> exactly. But I will read you a few. Proverbs 19.11 says, Good sense makes one slow to anger, and it is his glory to overlook an offense. So one with good sense should overlook an offense. Interesting. Do not take to heart all the things that people say, lest you hear your servant cursing you. Your heart knows that many times you yourself have cursed others. You know what? It says if you hear somebody saying something nasty about you, you should just be all offended. No. It explicitly says don't. Wouldn't it be horrible if everything you'd ever said about anybody else actually showed up right in front of their face and they got offended at you? But they would give you an opportunity to forgive them. Because it doesn't even say offense whether justly caused or not. Jesus said for us to turn the other cheek if somebody smacks us on one cheek. What did he mean? Was he talking about pacifism? He was saying don't get offended. Don't get offended. Give them another opportunity. We're told we had to forgive again and again and again and again. How many times? You know, 70 times, seven times. Pay attention to yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in the day and turns to you seven times saying, I repent, you must forgive him. That's the same thing seven times over in a single day. So how does this play out? Because I can tell you this, and you can go, well, thanks. That's really helpful, thanks. But here's the thing. This has to become revelation in your life. Ask God for a revelation on offense, because let me tell you what he does. He starts pointing it out. (laughs) Again, and again, and again. And again, you know that crushing thing? And again, oh, let me tell you, in the last 25 years, this has become a life message for Gaylene and I. It really has, um, because I'm still offendable. I'm not very offendable anymore, I, I, I believe. <laughs> that's, that's my belief, <laughs> Kayleen's going, oh boy, now you're going to get tested. You know, it doesn't always work that way. Anyway, but I'm still offendable. But here's what happens. As soon as I feel 
that offense coming up? Like, by now, I, I would guess I know within, within eight to ten seconds. I feel an offense. And the Lord will say, so th that's offense. Now I have a choice. I can embrace it. I can say, I have the right to be miserable, doggone it. Because that's where offense goes, always. Do you know what? I've learned, I actually don't like being miserable. I don't like feeling lousy. I actually like being happy and joyful and feeling good. I really do. But I have to actually let go of those other things if that's what I want. It's the oddest thing, but I have the right to know you don't. So as soon as I begin to feel offense, like right at the beginning, I'm given the choice now. You can choose. You can actually forgive. Like right now, in the moment, you can forgive. You can let go. You can repent because that's the second thing. As soon as I feel offense, it's not about just letting go of the offense. It's about saying, oh, no. Okay, Lord, what in me is not dead yet? Because when you poke a dead man, he doesn't flinch. So I'm left saying, okay, Lord, what, what in me is not yet dead? What, what seed of pride is still there? And the Lord deals with me very graciously. He, he doesn't show it all to me at once. <laughs> That's really good because, you know, some things are still overwhelming. That would probably be one of them. But he does show. He will show me. Okay, so you asked. Here's where you feel like you should be treated better than that or you're more important than that or... You know, this is where you're, you, you're impatient. This is where you're not caring more about them than you are about you. This is where, but he shows me. And so what's happened in the last 25 years, oh, the other one is poor Gaylene, because, <clears throat> you know, I will ask her sometimes, so honey, are, are you offended? <laughs> I, I'm not really poking at that level. I would only ask her that if, it was clear to both of us that it was true. And she can ask me the same thing back. So that, that kind of sounds a little like offense speaking. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. You're right. Okay. Soon as I know I'm offended, I know it's my problem. It doesn't mean that what was done was fine. I'm not, I'm not saying that. You know, somebody comes and digs up your lawn in the middle of the night. Like, that's not okay. <laughs> right? <laughs> Somebody spray paints bad words on the side of the church here. That's not okay, and it's happened. Um, so I, I didn't say it's okay, but I'm asking what our response is. You know, because our response, here's the deal. So why did somebody come and spray bad words on the side of the church? Like, what was in their heart that made that seem like a good idea? Ow. That doesn't actually feel very good, does it? I can actually pray for that one and mean it. I can actually ask the Lord to visit them, to actually make himself known to them, to make his presence felt, to give them a revelation of himself, to change their lives. That's very cool. feels very different than going, oh, now I have to go paint over them, which is all about me. And it has nothing to do with them. And so this is... This is an item I would say is becoming fragrance in our lives because it's been 25 <laughs> years. Our poor children, <laughs> most of their whole lives. Um, and the, 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 here's the other thing with it is we do talk about it. Like we, we actually do. We continue to share this. We continue to... To, to build it back and forth. We continue to, to, to sharpen each other uh, as a whole family because it's important. It's absolutely critical. The, 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 you know, churches split due to offenses. That's how churches split. What? Churches splitting? This ought not be. Yeah. So we, gotta, we just got to grow up in this thing, 
But, but, but you can't do it by yourself. You need a revelation. So, God, I pray right now for all of those listening to this, all of those who are going to, all of those in this room right now, Father, that you would give us a revelation about getting rid of offense, about letting go quickly, about submitting it to you immediately. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I'll give you one more. <laughs> um, another thing that I, I, I feel like has just been built into me in a, in a, in a really big way by the Lord um, is this. We are created in the image of God. We are his imagers, right? Very simple fact. Here, let me read something. Um, Genesis 1. We'll start at the beginning. I'll finish in Revelation. We'll be good. Okay. It's not a big deal. You know that if you read the Bible, it takes about 66 hours. That's it. That's it. You can all do that. Okay, here we go. I won't even start at verse 1. I'll start at verse 28. We'll be out of here way quicker. Okay. (laughs) Then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, and all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So, a couple of neat points there right off the bat. First of all, God was clearly talking to a bit of a heavenly council at the beginning when he was talking about the we, right? That's kind of a cool deal. There's lots of neat stuff to study about that. But then he goes off and he creates man in his own image, male and female. He creates them in his image. So just one of those clarity items yet again. You know, we use male pronouns a lot in scripture. Male and female are created in the image of God. God is complete. We are less complete. And in fact, when he created, when he made creation, each thing he did for five days, and, he, and it was good, and it was good, and it was good. And then he said, he saw Adam. In, in chapter 2, we see he sees Adam, and he says, oh, it is not good that he is alone. So then he creates Eve to be with him, and now it is very good, okay? So we catch the fact that, that actually as couples, um, it's, it's a more complete thing. Okay. Now, um, although he did say, I will make a helper who's just right for him, and I got to tell you, if you're someone who's single, he is quite capable of being that helper for you as well. Um, so, Back to Genesis 1 then. God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply, multiply, fill the earth and govern it, reign over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and all the animals that scurry along the ground. So the first thing, I, I, I'm going to tell you something there. You were created in his image and he gave dominion over the earth to man. You got that? He said, reign over it. I, I, this one's for free. This is just off on the side here, but Pastor Mark does that all the time, so I can do that too. But here's the deal. If you have dominion over the earth, if God gave dominion to mankind, that's why he wants you to pray. He wants you to exercise dominion in this realm, okay? He'll tell you what to pray about, but when we're making declarations like we're making today and you go, oh, yeah, but that's so big. I mean, those are big, big things that we're talking about here. Principalities and powers and secret societies running countries and blah, blah, blah. Ah, it's all so big. Don't worry about it. You're not called to fix it. You're called to align with the one who's going to fix it. So you need to align. You need to pray because he's given you dominion. And at some level, if we don't ask him to work, well, then he won't because he gave us dominion. So in our dominion, Lord, in this area that you have granted us stewardship, I ask you to make a change. I ask you to change the atmosphere. 
We can bind, we can loose. Because we are in his image and he has given us dominion. And that is this thing about being imagers of God. Now, I, I just I won't go on long here, but I, I want to just kind of say, what does it mean to be created in the image of God? What, what is that, God's image? Does he have hands and feet and eyes and ears and literally, does he look like a human being? I don't think so. Um, I mean, the Psalms say he'll protect us with his feathers and his wings, right? That there seems to be some metaphorical things going on there. But in his image, <laughs> Mark says, well, maybe, maybe he has feathers and wings. <laughs> I, I'm not making doctrine here. <laughs> so I think it's, it's wise to note that the image side here isn't precisely how we look because we don't look the same as each other. So what is it to be created in his image? Well, there's a piece of this that is consciousness, that is we're self-aware. That, 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 there's a piece of that. There's a piece of it that's reasoning, the ability to plan and the ability to reason. There's an even more, uh, more important piece, which is creativity. God is absolutely creative. I mean, the entire universe sprang forth from his mind with a word. The entire universe. Very cool. All of the little bits and pieces that make it work. You know, all the little subatomic particles and everything. He created all of that. He thought it all through. God is not just a big version of you, okay? You being created in his image doesn't mean that he's a big version of you. He is so far beyond, so, so far beyond. This is interesting. Uh, I'm, you know, if, if Perry's watching, sorry, buddy, but, you know, Perry and I were standing together Thursday. I got an opportunity to visit with Perry and Laverne. It was great out of Gull Lake, and, uh, and we were standing talking, and Perry began to just talk a little bit about the greatness of God, just in, in something we were saying, and he, and, and he just choked right up. I mean, he can't even, can't even begin to talk about the greatness of God without just completely losing it. And I thought, yeah, he's got a revelation. He's got a revelation about, about the, the, just the immensity, the majesty, the, the incredible sovereignty of a God that we can't even begin to sort of understand. We're just not capable. We're, not, we're, we're so finite, and he's so infinite. And, and so there's, there's so little that we can actually do. So when we're created in his image, it doesn't mean that he's just a big version of you. He's well beyond, but he's given you attributes, attributes that he has. And so I want to I just say... Um, there's there's lots more I could do, but you know what? We're running out of time. So here's the here's the thing I'm gonna I'm gonna do. I'm gonna tell you what it is that 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 has produced in my life. Okay. This is what that that revelation has produced in my life for many 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 years now. That is this: when when I see somebody, I see a child of God, created in His image. And therefore, intrinsically worth everything. Okay? So, okay. So, a child of God created in his image and therefore intrinsically worthwhile. Every single individual. You know, we, 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 we're, we're running through a time right now in North America where, you know, deep history on systemic racism and things is, is coming forward. Man, that ought not be. Children of God created in his image. How, 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 how do we judge greater or lesser? It's child of God created in his image. So how does that come out? I, I can tell you in my own life, it, it, that comes out that way, but it also comes out then in the Lord being able to convict me very quickly if I discount somebody, uh, if I make them not important in, in my life. If somebody has need and I don't care, God reminds me, you know, that's my image. That's an image carrier over there. That's pretty important. In my business, I can do this because there are 
five or six folks in this room who work in my company, um, and they can they can hold me accountable to this and themselves accountable to this. But we have said this as a direct statement in our company that every individual is worthwhile. In fact, you know, in our management team, we use the exact words I used, which is why I'm very familiar with them. Every individual is a child of God created in his image and therefore intrinsically worthwhile. Period. It matters not whether this person is capable of doing the work for our company, whether they're good at that job. That's not the point. The point is they're an imager of God. Wow. And at that point in time, they need to be treated as such. Now, that doesn't mean that we're going to employ people who can't do the work. That's not respectful. That's not giving them an opportunity to do well somewhere. Okay? So that, that's not the point. But the point is that they're going to be treated as children of God created in his image, as opposed to as units of work. Okay? In fact, our company was started... My, my business partner, Herman Lusing, started the company in 1979 because of that fact. Because he had worked in other companies and felt that individuals were simply widgets, tools to get the job done in order to create profits for the company. And that, and that all the way through, up and down through the company, that's how companies generally operated. And he felt there's got to be a better way. There's got to be a way that you can actually do good work and treat people as children of God created in his image. And therefore intrinsically worthwhile. Not worthwhile because they produce output. Worthwhile because they carry God's image. Right? And we don't do this perfectly. Nobody, you know, nobody does. But I can tell you that it is a life story for me. And so I invite you to call me on it. At any time, if you see me doing something that, that doesn't line up with that, you are welcome to call me on it because it needs to be that level of thing. So I'm sharing that with you. And again, Lord, I ask this morning that you would plant a revelation for anyone who doesn't have it, that you would plant a revelation, just open our hearts and our minds to the truth about how to love each other because we are children, your children created in your image. Hmm. That it's not a chore. That it's not something you've got to make yourself do. Father, let us see each other the way you see us so that your love comes out and flows through us automatically. Automatically. This is not an effort deal. Absolutely not. This is about having our, our, our hearts opened to perceiving what God perceives. And it's, and it's an amazing thing, and I can tell you I'm a long way from where I need to get to in this thing. A long way. But it's so neat when you can see God changing your heart. And, 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 and I got to tell you, again, you know, you guys have heard me say this. Those of you who heard me speak before, you've heard me say often enough that our behavior is an output, not an input. We don't get more godly by behaving better. But as we approach God, we, our behavior changes, okay? Um, it, it, and it does. It's, it's an amazing thing. And, and I am so thankful to God when I can see certain things that I might have said in the past or felt in the past or, or even argued about in the past. And today when I hear somebody say that, so this is, a, this is a, I'll, I'll be more specific. So um, this is about a year and a half ago. I was in the lunchroom at work, and I heard somebody make a comment about homeless people and about their own decision to be there. And it hurt my heart. And I thought, afterwards, I thought, whoa, I'd have made that comment a couple years ago. And it hurt my heart. And I realized, oh, my. Okay. So I realized, you know, when I can see that kind of progress, and some of you in the room are going, seriously, Jim, you'd have made that comment? Yeah, I, I would have. Okay. But the reality on it is that God is changing me, and he's willing to change you, too. So there you go. I gave you my little top three. <laughs> God is good. All the time. And all the time. All right. Number two, you can be hurt in humility 
but offense is a function of our and number three every individual is a child of God created in his image and therefore intrinsically worthwhile and Lord we thank you for this powerful morning that you've given us and I pray that this little bit of dessert <laughs> would actually impact us that it would sit and stir inside of us and that you would bring revelation on these and so many other things that you would that you would produce that that we would that we'd be able to go through the crushing that you bring and produce true fragrance in Jesus name amen Amen. Um, just so you know, Jim's message, I, I approve of that message. Um, the only reason they're still in this church is because they've practiced that, right? Repentance, forgiveness. Anyway, we could talk a lot about that. But honestly, our, our ability to be actually united uh, is based on our ability to, to overlook forgive to have mercy and um, and uh, anyway that in the at the end of the day at the end of the day what makes us a force that that uh, that the enemy can't overcome that God can use as a weapon to hit principalities and powers and spiritual strongholds is our love because you know we can move in the gifts of God and the anointing and the presence of God and hit something in the spirit the, the kickback from the enemy is always relational. It's always relational. And so our ability to, to stay together, to love one another, is critical. Uh, besides, it defines the very nature of what it means to be Christian. So that also makes it important. Let, let, let's care for our brothers. And I pray right now, thank you, God, for what you've been doing in Jim and what he's represented today. God, I pray for an inhuman level of compassion, empathy, desire, love, Father, that we'll begin to see. Sometimes we're so overwhelmed. We're thinking there's just too many people to care about. There's just too many to care about on the same level. I care about my kids. I care about my wife, my husband. My, But, Lord, I, supernaturally, you can give us an ability to care, genuinely, authentically value not only the people in this room to our right and left, Lord, pour out on us an amazing uh, ability to appreciate the sanctity of life, the sanctity of these millions of people. Father, uh, God, show us what's possible. In Jesus' name, amen.